Well, good evening and welcome, friends, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, whether you're across town or across the globe. It is so good to be back uh, after taking a couple weeks off. Uh, for the holidays and uh, just before the holidays. Uh, it's really been nice just to kind of enjoy the darkness, if you know what I mean. Uh, I've tried really hard not to get swept up in too much of the frivolity, too much of the consumerism, uh, if you will. And uh, I was telling tonight's guest, uh, Amanda, while we uh, had a brief chat before uh, we went on the air. It was uh, it was a struggle at times because I felt like, well, should I go out and be with friends and and uh, you know celebrate and be festive and uh, you know meet new people and talk about what everything's do- everyone's doing and what they're up to or you know. But then there was part of me that wanted to just be more in sync with the downtime of the season. You know, when we kind of marinate and reflect and just rest. And, uh, you know, kind of just be under my rock. So it was like this push and pull, push and pull, push and pull. Uh, Maybe you know what I mean. But anyway, um, I wanted to say uh, thank you to Zengaya uh, for uh, their lovely music. Uh, That cut uh, is from their song, Nomad's Land. It always reminds me of riding atop the back of a camel loping across the desert for some reason. That's usually the picture I get in my mind's eye when I play their music. And also, uh, while I'm uh, handing out thanks tonight, um, some thanks goes to Dusty. I was gifted with a lovely email, the kind uh, that's really the gas in my tank, and uh, I wanted to read this to you and um, just say thanks so much to Dusty. I considered it my holiday gift. Dusty said, Karen, your podcast is fantastic and amazing. Thank you for the work you do. I found Voices of the Sacred Feminine while searching for Lane Redman podcasts. Uh, She is a huge inspiration and influence in my life. I'm a drummer, and I facilitate drum circles in my community. At the moment, I'm obsessed with Lane Redman, reading a book, Uh, learning uh, from her videos, stalking her podcasts. Uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine has become a daily companion and phenomenal teacher. Every episode is a treasure. Some of my favorite episodes are The Bee Goddess, Peace Violin, Selena Fox, Uh, Your work brings enlightenment and a new dimension to my spiritual practice. Thank you for offering so much dynamic information to the community. May you enjoy a delightful evening. Many blessings. And many blessings to you too, Dusty. Thank you so much for that. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I sit here on my radio show and talk to my wonderful guests, and it feels like such a guilty pleasure. Uh, you know, to be the one asking the questions and learning all this new information and sharing what wisdom we can. And um, it's even more wonderful, though, when I hear your feedback and know that uh, uh, what we're doing here is, is really making a difference. So thank you very much. That is the gas in my tank. And if you're new to the show, um, and you don't quite know me yet. Uh, I'm the author of several books. Uh, the newest uh, is out this month, dedicated to Senator Bernie and Jane Sanders, and also Rianne Eisler. 
It's an anthology of the sacred feminine, all grown up, as I like to say. It's titled Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward. Uh, It talks about how ideals of the feminine must uh, become the new normal if uh, we hope to um, uh, save humanity and Mother Earth. I've also authored the award-winning Walking in Ancient Path, Rebirthing Goddess on Planet Earth, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations, which can actually be used to drive a West Coast pilgrimage or uh, travel to an assortment of other sacred sites uh, all across the globe. Uh, There's Goddess Calling, Inspirational Messages and Meditations of Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology, which uh, gives us some uh, some ideas to connect more deeply with goddesses deity, archetype, and ideal, and understand how the spirituality helps us become better people and make the world a better place. And and then there's my first anthology, a collection of essays from guests who have appeared uh, right here on this show uh, of the same name, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Conversations to Reshape Our World. So uh, thank you to all my new listeners, and uh, thank you to... Uh, uh, my regulars who uh, who loyally uh, tune in each week. I thank you so much for your valuable time. And tonight, uh, I want to turn my attention to uh, the wonderful guests that I have lined up uh, for you. Uh, Amanda Yates Garcia. Uh, she's who I'm going to be chatting with tonight. And uh, I stumbled onto Amanda, and as soon as I saw her, I said, this is a, this is a lady I want to talk to and get on my show. Uh, I was actually at the Hammer Museum uh, back in November, and there was a, um, uh, a weekend, I believe it was, or a day, I forget now, uh, dedicated to, um, uh, to witchcraft and other topics uh, such as that. I think it was a Saturday and a Sunday. And uh, Amanda, uh, she's also called the Oracle of Los Angeles, uh, she gave a lecture on uh, witchcraft. And it was really pretty incredible to be at a place like the Hammer Museum and have them taking the subject of witchcraft so seriously. And, of course, Amanda gave a great presentation um, if you know if you knew nothing about witchcraft before uh you know she uh, just uh hit all the high points and had a great powerpoint presentation too and then did a wonderful closing ceremony uh afterwards and uh so anyway we you know might get around to talking a little bit about that but uh tonight uh you know, our, our primary focus is uh, the topic personal empowerment with Martian magic. Yeah, sounds interesting, doesn't it? Um, I think so. So um, before we uh, actually get going here, let me tell you uh, just a little bit more about Amanda and all she's managed to accomplish, uh, and, uh, and then, then we'll begin our chat. Um, I've already mentioned she's uh, known as the Oracle of uh, L.A., and she was initiated into witchcraft by her mother at age 13, and she's been practicing magic and uh, divination ever since. Uh, She studied meditation with the Zen Mountain Monastery in upstate New York, trained in shamanism with Amanda Folger of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, practiced holotropic breathwork with Michael Stone, received her Reiki Master initiation from the Tibetan Lama Tenzin Lama Sherpa, 
Uh, she's led public ceremonies and rituals at Human Resources, Side Street Projects, and the Women's Center for Creative Work, among many other venues. And she's the host of Casey Chung's uh, Oracle Hour radio show. Uh, here in Los Angeles, and she also leads a monthly mystery school called Magical Praxis, which covers topics ranging from love spells to money mojo and psychic self-defense. She's a regular contributing writer to the online magazine Witch. Uh, She's an intuitive coach, uh, energy healer, tarot reader, shamanic practitioner, and a witch with a mission of empowering her clients to find their most meaningful and beautiful lives in the name of love. So, I just wanted to say, Amanda, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, thank you so much. And uh, tell me, how um, do you know any of the backstory of um, that event at the Hammer and uh, how it was so wonderful that you were invited to give a presentation on a topic like witchcraft? Yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting story. So I was invited because that weekend was actually devoted to the work of the artist Lars Schnitger, and it wasn't really about witchcraft. Um, I think that the whole weekend was called Suffragette City, and Lara, the artist, uses um, is really interested in feminism and feminist practices, and she also wanted, it as part of the program, which was a public art offering, mostly involving on the first day, on Saturday, um, a protest march done with all of her amazing sculptures and costumes that she's created through Westwood from the Hammer. And then on Sunday, she wanted to have a bunch of different artists and uh, thinkers and workers of many different modalities come to lecture about their practice, because she, especially those who she felt were in line with the spirit of of feminism, and so she had uh, a filmmaker who had made a film about Riot Girls. Um, she had me, a witch. Uh, obviously, there are quite a lot of parallels between witchcraft and feminism, and there were several other people who were speaking that day. But I don't think that they were mostly about witchcraft. Later that week, I also gave a lecture at the Hammer again with another program at the Hammer uh, with a few other artists who work in the spirit realms. Uh, And it was a lecture series called Art and the Oracular, which was awesome. And that I did with the artist Edgar Fabian Frias and the other artist Eliza Swan, both of whom I know from the community of artists who work in spiritual practices here in Los Angeles. So... Um, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, now that you're refreshing my memory, uh, November seems like ages ago, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do recall now um, the, the Suffragette City theme, and um, I just love the way they, uh, you know, showed that uh, parallel between feminism and mm-hmm. witchcraft, because, you know, here in our, you know, for listeners who might be thinking, well, what are they talking about? You know, there's this, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's this, this thread because you know witchcraft uh, is is a 
religion where, you know, women can be the leaders. You know, they don't have to bow down to some, you know, male patriarchal authority. You know, Wicca has exactly. always been a place that, you know, women could, could be equal or, um, you know, or, or, or leaders. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that ties in with, you know, with feminism, feminism nicely, you know, because after all, feminism is all about, getting women, uh, you know, equality out there in the world. Um, and, and you know, I have to tell you that uh, as I uh, kind of looked at some of the women who were in the closing ceremony, uh, you know, wonderful young women, I thought, uh, wow, if these, are the, if these are the millennials that we are going to be passing the torch to, uh, we're going to be in good shape, you know. Yeah. I, and I could see all, uh, all the tiny little half-moon tattoos that they maybe had on the, you know, the back of their shoulders, and I thought, but, hmm, budding witches, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think witchcraft very much does appeal to millennials. It's certainly a very hot topic right now. I think that the millennials are really open to new forms of spirituality and empowerment, and they love the aesthetic, I think, of witchcraft. And as we know, I mean, depending on, you know, your perspective and your background, you know, aesthetics are very political. So when I mean by aesthetics, for those of you who maybe don't come from the arts, is essentially aesthetics are the way things look, the, the artistic aspects of it can be anything from religion to fashion to even what the aesthetic of an office building might be, might be the color of the paint or the shape of the furniture or the style of the building, um, all of those things have political ramifications. And so when we think about the aesthetic of any spiritual movement, so, for instance, Catholicism versus, you know, more austere forms of Christianity, the style with which the religion is conveyed has a lot of political impact. So mm-hmm, I think that a lot mm-hmm. of so, so I think that a lot of millennials really respond to the style of witchcraft, which involves you know using elements, using crystals, using smoke, using incense, and all this sort of the the use of sigils and goddess figures and symbols and the sort of more raw and wild looking figures and symbology that is used in witchcraft I think appeals to a lot of younger women for good reason because it is really cool. <laughs> and 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 not to sound shallow but not you know there's all, also the great clothes. <laughs> You oh, know yeah. the the head I mean, the headpieces, exactly. the jewelry. You know the yeah. all all of the 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 witch uh, witch accoutrement. You know that hangs in the closet or in the jewelry box. Um, well, you know, I that's, think that uh, women fun too. Women today have been inspired as much by like Stevie Nicks and Yoko Ono and Beyonce in their interest in witchcraft. It's kind of a reciprocal relationship in that you know. Stevie and Beyonce, you know, dress in these powerful witchy costumes, and mm-hmm. then but they they are drawing that reference from the practice of witch 
witchcraft and then it informs witchcraft as its practice. And I think that's one of, rather than being a detractor or being something shallow, I think that's something that's exciting about witchcraft because it's participatory like that and it's engaged with, you know, popular culture. It's not just something for priests in Vatican City, but it's something that we can all do and engage in, you know, just by the choice of clothes that we wear every day because it makes a political statement. And very eclectic, too. You can really be yourself. You know, there's not a lot of conformity. Uh, I, I think that's probably appealing. And, you know, and I wonder, too, you know, you, you read on the one hand that, you know, millennials are rejecting religion. And uh, which makes one think, uh, well, which might make some think that maybe they're rejecting spirituality. But I tend to, and, and I'm asking you as well as, you know, kind of speaking out loud here, I, I wonder if, if it's more accurate to say millennials want spirituality. They don't want the oppression and conformity of um, organized uh, patriarchal religion as we see it practiced out there today, you know, where it's so divisive and people have to fit into these little boxes and can't be their authentic selves. And with witchcraft, it's so much more open, you know, so much more inclusive. Um, I, maybe that's also a reason that they're comfortable with it. Um, your, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. And I also think, you know, it's it's hard to sort of generalize about a whole generation. Like with millennials, you, you know, they all have different perspectives on things. But I do see, like, for instance, with the the millennials that come to my workshops or that I work with certainly are very spiritual people and they really, I think, have been very disillusioned and disappointed with organized religion and are very skeptical of the way that power and authority is used, not only within organized religion, but also politically or even within institutions, like, for instance, at colleges or at, at high schools. You know, they, they, they instinctively feel a lack of trust for people in positions of great authority that have been institutionalized. And so I think the practices of witchcraft wherein, you know, everybody is a participant, everyone is a priestess or a priest, there is no authority figure, at least in the way that I practice it. And there are many different, you know, forms of witchcraft that maybe are more hierarchical, um, you know, traditional Wicca that comes from, you know, England in the 1950s, which was definitely, definitely very um, hierarchical in structure, but that's because it was coming from a, an even more hierarchical culture. So it's really hard mm-hmm. to just break full, full stop with everything that came before. We're sort of evolving and changing as we go. But I think that millennials, just in the way that their society is structured, you know, um, with, social media and um, the different kinds of, you know, business and commerce and uh, ways of living that are available to them that are so different than things that maybe have gone on in the past, like for previous generations, that they're really open to and desiring of alternative forms of finding meaning. And I think that that. where practices of witchcraft are, are very appealing to them. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it doesn't help that, you know, Hollywood has done some good things uh, in terms of, um, I, I think, putting good role models out there uh, so that, you know, more more people understand witches don't, you know, eat babies and, you know, those horrible <laughs> stereotypes that, you know, I'm sure still linger in some little, you know, conservative bubbles in, in the Bible belt, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 it, it feels like... Um, yeah, the media has has maybe helped along, um, you know, who witches are, what witches are, uh, so that people are, you know, have a clearer understanding, um, you know, maybe more than they used to, um, you know, a, a, you know, and, and you know, and, and people aren't so quick to, um, you know, think the the things they might have thought 20 years ago. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was out at Cal State Pomona a few months ago giving a lecture on witchcraft in the art department out there. And I decided while I was out there to uh, go to get my car washed, kind of out sort of in a place that I never go, which is kind of, you know, it's not really in L.A. proper. And as I was there, there was this girl uh, she looked like she was maybe about 17, and when I came in to get my car washed, she was, you know, at the cash register, and she says to me, you know, I don't want to offend you, but uh, you look like a witch. <laughs> and I said, well, you don't offend me, and I am a witch. <laughs> and she was so excited, and she said, oh, you know, I practice at home, but like my parents you know, don't want me to, they get nervous about it, but me and my friend do it. And, you know, she was asking me all sorts of things about it. So, I mean, I think that she has a, like the younger generation might have a a different idea about what it is that sort of contrasts with older versions. But yeah, might think that it's more about like Satan or worship or like eating babies, which of course anybody that knows anything about witchcraft knows that, you know, we just don't believe in Satan. That's a Christian thing. It doesn't really have anything to do with witchcraft. And, yeah. you know, witches are, are all about, you know, love and beauty and connection. So they're not really interested in causing suffering through eating babies. Most, you know, most witches True. are vegetarians. So. <laughs> well, yeah, and not only that, but when you think, uh, you know, I mean, the witches I know, uh, you know, they're uh, they're concerned about the earth and they're concerned about animal rights and women's rights, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, they're you know, they're many of them, uh, you know, they're they're social justice activists, you know, in in, in one form or another. Yeah. You know, uh, rather than being someone that uh, you know to be feared, but uh, but you know there there are still some crazy things on TV. I was uh, watching one of these paranormal uh, uh, stations when there was nothing on over the holidays, and I just clicked on it to watch for a little while. And you know, and you still had this theme where oh well, you know they must uh, have these uh, demons in the house because someone was reading a book on witchcraft. You know, so you. Still have, you know, you still have that out there, but uh, I don't know. I, I like to think that it's, uh, you know, it's it's becoming uh, less and less. Um, 
So, Amanda, um, your your topic tonight, as uh, is, is we come back round to that, you know, uh, personal empowerment with Martian magic. Now, I have to admit, mm. when I first saw Martian magic, I went, huh? <laughs> I hadn't really thought about the idea of Martian magic. You know, I'm still thinking mm. of, you know, uh, the movie The Martian, you know. Oh, right, um, yeah. But I... But but I think you're are you talking about using the energies of the of Mars the planet? Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Well, right now, what I'm really interested in in my practice is um, ways for the people that I'm working with to feel empowered. Um, power being the ability to affect change in the world according to one's will, and you know. Some people in the world are very powerful. We already considered them powerful, you know, people, great men, quote-unquote, who are in positions of authority because they're powerful. They are able to affect change according to their will because they have access to resources like money or they command military power, right? So they can force people to capitulate to their will. In other words, you know, most of their power comes through their influence, their ability to influence others, either financially or through through the use of force. But as witches, we're we're more interested in working in harmony with the environment and the world around us. And of course, yes, we do want to influence it because all living beings influence their environment and want to do so and it's helpful that they do it's good that they do right we're we're trying to work in cooperative effort with our environment so that everything works in concert and and we can it's kind of a win-win we want everyone to to win so that everything gets elevated so the thing is in in using um, when i say martian magic you know, that already calls many points into question. Like, for instance, what is magic? How could a planet cause anything on Earth to happen? You know, how could we utilize a planet's influence in order to create benefit in our own lives? But really we can think of, you know, the planet Mars as being a sort of home or channel for the archetype of aggression. And most of us are, you know, probably most of the people who are listening to this podcast certainly and most of the people who come to me for private sessions um, tend to be quite uncomfortable with the idea of aggression and, and or power. Don't you think so? Well, I, I do. I, I mean, I think women particularly um, are not comfortable with um, asserting themselves all the time. I mean, I think it's gotten better. But, um, I mean, I can remember when, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I, I mean, things, things have changed a lot. But it wasn't that long ago when, you know, women were, you know, and, and, I, and I'm sure in some places they still are, you know, they're kind of told not to, uh, let their light shine too much, if you know what I mean. You know, right. sort of hide their yeah. hide their talents under a bushel because you don't want to intimidate a man, uh, or yeah. you, you know you want to you know you want to get a husband. So you know you can't be smarter than him, or uh, you know don't be too loud. Don't uh, um, you know just 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 sort of 
you know, keep it tamped down, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, how you go out and party or uh, if you're, you know, if, if you know, you, you have a sex life or, uh, you know, even in terms of the type of, you know, job you get, you know, it's, it's like be small, you know, be small yeah. and certainly don't, don't be angry, you know, because women shouldn't be angry. And, you know, I mean, who does that serve? I mean, it certainly doesn't serve women. Well, that's a really good question, and I think it's really important, and I think it's obvious what the answer is, too. Like, if we don't take our power, if we don't recognize our own power and authority, who does that serve? Well, it serves the status quo. It serves people who already have power and authority. And most of the time, you know, if we look around us and the way that the world operates, you know, those people are very rarely doing work on our behalf, you know, a lot of the time it's we're being told that, you know, the powers that be are working on our behalf, but in fact they're working to line their own pocketbooks or in, or entrench their power even more. So if we don't take our own power, if we don't stand in our own power, if we don't recognize that power and cultivate it within ourselves, then someone else will take it and they will use it and most likely they will use it against us. There are many different forms of power, and we can think of power in many different ways, but for for witches, like I was saying earlier, you know, it's power with and power within. So, you know, we're stronger when we work together, And but in order for us to work together powerfully, then we also have to cultivate that power within ourselves. And so what that yeah. means is that we have to recognize our ability to make changes in our own life. It's a process of decolonizing our minds and recognizing that we do have power we have options we have choices we're not at the mercy of the world and we can create the lives that we want for ourselves and what's more by creating the life that we want for ourselves most of the people who are listening to this podcast or who are coming in to see me want good things they want good things for themselves and they want good things for the world so for instance they want to support themselves in a way that um also represents their values. You know, most of them are going to have values where, you know, they do value compassion, where they value equality, where they value the environment, where they value um, liberty and, you know, uh, racial equality. Um, Most, you know, most of the people that we're working with have those values and they want to be able to support themselves by working in concert with those values. And if we don't see that we have options and we don't see that we have the power in our lives to make that happen for ourselves, then we capitulate to the powers that be that are trying to manipulate us through fear. Because if we don't feel powerful, then we feel afraid. And if we're afraid, then we're very easy to manipulate and we're, it's very easy to get us to back down. And I'm not saying that, we're, that owning our power and recognizing our power is without its consequences. You know, because it does have consequences, and often that consequence can mean, for instance, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, women being encouraged to sort of keep themselves small so that they don't intimidate, you know, men in their lives. Well, of course, there are some men who don't mind being with women who are powerful or even celebrate women who are powerful, but clearly, you know, historically, in, you know, previous generations, that's not been the case. You know, it it would probably have meant for women that they wouldn't have 
gotten married if they were to intimidate mm-hmm. men in in their lives or if they had a better education or made more money, you know, they probably wouldn't have found their husband or their MRS or whatever. But right. the thing is, even if they did, so there's always a cost, right? So even if they if they did make themselves smaller so that they could find a husband, you know, then they had to live the rest of their lives being small and maybe being with a man who treated them poorly and, you know, is that a worthwhile cost? Well, yeah, trade off. Yeah. Yeah, is it worthwhile, you know, and if we all do that and we all capitulate to that and we all say, "Okay, I'm going to keep myself small so that I can, you know, make a man feel better." Then that just perpetuates the system not only within our own lives, but on a larger cultural scale. So yeah. we, need to ha- we need to cultivate within ourselves the bravery and the courage in order to stand up and be the person that we want to be. Because generally, at least in the case of the, most of the people who come to me, the people that they want to be are good, are good for themselves and good for the world. We need more mm-hmm. of it. And in fact, you know, they have creative visions that they want to put forward in the world, but they're afraid because they feel like they don't deserve it or they're not worthy of it or they're not good enough. But again, going back to that question that you're asking, you know, who does it serve? Who does it serve for you to sit there and think, I'm not good enough to do the thing that I want to do in this world? Well, it's certainly not serving you. So that voice in your head that's telling you you're not good enough is not your friend. And it's been placed there. It's an outside voice that's colonized your mind. It's a a form of spirit possession where you're being possessed by the sort of spirit of the status quo that's trying to keep you small. And the thing is, Martian energy is a neutral energy, right? It's the energy of aggression. So if we think of, you know, a volcano, a volcano is not evil. You know, it's neither bad nor good. It just is what it is. It's a force, just like water is a force. You know, if you're drowning in it, then it's bad. If you're thirsty, then it's good. We all need to be able to cultivate that power, that a power to affect change, to focus, to be confident, to believe in ourselves. And, you know, a lot of the time when people um, reject power and authority, you know, many times, at least, for instance, like with my clients, you know, for instance, they might have had a a parent or like a father figure or something who um, used their authority in oppressive ways by sort of, you know, controlling them or telling them that they were worthless or telling them that they weren't powerful or like laughing at them like saying what makes you think that you can do these things and so you know so they have these ideas about power that they reject and so they don't want power because they associate it with something they find repellent but that's not the only kind of power there is we need to find and envision and create new forms of power because if we don't then the the power that already exists will will keep going so well you know so we well, need yeah, to cultivate I mean, it oftentimes you know we kind of talk about it in terms of uh instead of power over like the kind you're talking about yes. that's maybe repugnant that would make mm-hmm. people think well I don't want power if that's what power is um they they instead have to shift to either uh power power with or power to exactly uh because yes. because that's that's totally different Yes, exactly. So power with being, 
you know, like on our own, of course, you know, me, little witch in Los Angeles, Oracle of Los Angeles, when facing someone, you know, let's say some billionaire real estate mogul who's gotten into politics or something, who has a lot of money and resources at his command, you know, obviously I don't have as much power as he does working on my own. But when I work in collaboration with others, then I do. Then then we are a force to be reckoned with, and we need to mm-hmm. recognize that. So part of the magic of cultivating one's power is working in concert with others or collaboration, finding your people, finding your allies. And some of the times those allies are spiritual allies, and sometimes those allies are physical or material allies. So finding your allies mm-hmm. is a really important part of power magic or Martian magic. But then also well, like finding that power within oneself. So just the ability to take action, to initiate change. So Mars is the energy of initiation or ignition. Like when you light a fire, when you light a match, it, it makes things take off. It brings energy. It's, this, it's the energy of wands, you know, the energy of the self, the energy of fire that, you know, brings mm-hmm. energy forth. It, so that's what you're working to cultivate when you use Martian magic. Although I suppose, you know, for some people that that might seem like a very imaginative sort of woo-woo sort of phrase, but it's really getting that um, – a certain modality of energy that anybody can tap into and that we all do in fact tap into every day. It's nothing um, particularly exotic. Well, it, or, or, or a couple things here come to mind. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, for people who might not think, uh, you know, maybe Mars isn't the first thing that comes to mind when they think about, um, uh, something that's sort of a catalyst to move them forward. I like to use actually the goddess Bridget to tell you the truth because mm-hmm. at uh, you know in the time and you know in, at January in January when we're uh, when you know Bridget is the goddess so many people you know turn to you know I usually say okay Bridget she is the goddess of fire she's also the goddess mm-hmm. of sacred water. What do you get when you put water and fire together? You get steam to propel you forward, you know, to uh, maybe be successful with those New Year's resolutions, you know. And and as far as empowerment, um, I, I love the power with idea, but, but if you are alone, you know, for your personal empowerment, you know, it might be um, to, to strengthen that in yourself so that maybe you can ask for a raise, you know, or mm. set, healthy ba- set healthy boundaries, you know, so that people don't push you into doing things you don't want to do. Maybe you even have to learn to say no to your parents, you know, who are uh, trying to mold you into something you know is not your authentic self or or a husband or a friend or whatever it is, you know. Um, sure. So, so that, that, that power can no, be really useful in all sorts of things, like when you need to get a job, to complete a project, like, as if, like you said, if someone's walking all over you, whether it's your parents or your coworkers, you know, to, to stop that, to set boundaries. If you need to get over something, if you're, like, depressed or in the dumps or can't seem to motivate, then using Martian energy is really important. Or if you want to achieve something or if you're competing for something or if you want to become stronger or you want to 
protect yourself or protect things that you care about. If you're ready to take action, if you need to cultivate courage within you, then, you know, you, you, you need and will use the energy of Mars when you're doing that. Now, as you said, like, that you sort of think of that as through the concept of the goddess Bridget or bride. Yeah, I mean, of course. The thing is that those are all, all part of part of Martian magic is finding your right avatar to connect with that energy, that initiation energy, that fire energy, that energy of ignition and aggression, that volcano energy, whether it's Pele or the Valkyries or Kali or Queen Elizabeth or Malcolm X or any kind of warrior spirit that you want to contact. Or, you know, when I think of Bridget, I don't really think of a warrior spirit. But, yes, she is a spirit of fire and, you know, um, and spring, which is the, that sort of like bursting forth into life energy. And part of what we can do when we want to work some of that power magic or that Martian magic is to find our natural allies. So, for instance, like a lot of people, a lot of women in particular, don't resonate with Mars, the Roman god of war. Like it's, she, he just doesn't appeal to them, and so they don't want to work with that energy they don't mm-hmm. want to have it on their altar and that's fine you don't have to because because when we're tapping into that energy you know mars the god mars is a face is a is a human mask that's being put on that energy so that we can engage with it you know madame blavatsky helena blavatsky the spiritualist talks about how as humans we just we just cannot really see God as anything other than human. Really, the gods are powers. They're powers like fire, like, like, like atomic energy, like gravity. They are not human. They don't come in human form. They don't have bodies like that. But we really can't conceive of that. You know, we just always want to anthropomorphize everything. And that's, that's fine because that's our entry point into that energy. So, if you, if it's, well, if you it's can't. Well, for the you, thing is, you 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 can't see an invisible energy, so I think right. that's part of the reason we have to put a face on it. Right. Well, and also, you know, if if like so, we did want to just think of it as like, oh, well, that's the energy of fire. I mean, we can see fire. We can burn a candle, or we can, you know, light a campfire. There's all sorts of ways that we can see fire and and connect with that energy. But we also want to think about how we can use that, how we utilize that in our own life. Because really when we think about the gods of the spirit, you know, they exist in the realm of consciousness, essentially in the realm of dark matter, in the realm of the imagination. Um, But the imagination, I mean, there's more imagination than there is material. There's more dark matter than there is regular matter that we experience or energy that we experience in this realm. So... What we're doing as human beings is bringing into being through the power of our will and through our consciousness. We're bringing that kind of into being and interpreting it like artists, like um, like musicians sort of interpret uh, different pieces of music, uh, like at a symphony, for instance. You know, the the music is there and it's written. It, it has its own essence but then we interpret it and we give it our own flavor we give it our own essence as we bring it into the world through our body so 
when we're contacting that Martian energy, that energy of initiation and power and, um, you know, authority and, and aggression, you know, we're also reinterpreting what it means to be powerful, what it means to have authority, what it means to utilize our aggression. So, you know, most of the time when we do that, we, we only can really do it based on what we have reference for, right? So, you know, people don't mm-hmm. just immediately start doing things that they don't have any reference for. So, for instance, if your culture doesn't, you know, we've heard of, you know, the story of the African tribe that doesn't have the word for murder, for instance. Well, there's no murder then in that culture because they don't have a reference for it, right? So everything mm-hmm. that we yeah. do, we do based on references, things that we know, the precedent, the historical precedent. So, you know, if we don't have good models for authority and power, then we don't know how to cultivate it in our life. So one big thing that's really important is to start looking because there are certainly many, many, many examples of power and authority being used in a positive way. So we need to, we need to bring those in. So for instance, putting a picture of someone you admire on your altar, if you don't have an altar, just you know, having that picture or doing research about them or just thinking about them or, or starting to notice, for instance, when you're at work, you know, if, if, you, if you want to cultivate more power at work, you know, thinking about who has the most power here. Like when you walk into a room, noticing who is the most powerful person in this room or powerful people and start to get a sense of why. Well, why is it that, why is it that person or why do you think it's that person versus another person? And sometimes you might say, oh, well, it's my boss, for instance. But it, but, you know, maybe after thinking about it a little bit more, you'll realize that that isn't true. Or when you're at a dinner party, um, you know, who is the most powerful person there? Maybe they're all, everybody there is powerful for different reasons, but sort of noticing that and just starting to think about it, starting to awaken your sensitivity to power a little bit more and starting to think of, you know, what do you like about the way that person is exercising their power and what do you feel like you might do differently if if you were going right. to to integrate that into your own life. Because a lot of the times we just don't see ourselves as being, as being powerful. But so for instance, for you, like, what do you feel like is a good use of power? Like how do we know when someone is using power effectively or constructively? Like what kind of power do you want to cultivate? Yeah. What kind of power do you want to cultivate? Well, you know, I think for me, communication is powerful, you know. Mm. I, I mean, obviously, that's, that's, that's why I write books and have a radio show, uh, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, people, you know, people who can wield either, you know, uh, the, the written word or, um, you, know, uh, you know, have a, some command of, of, of their voice, so to speak, um, you know, I mean, look, look how Bernie Sanders rallied uh, the country, you know. I mean, Absolutely. who would have ever thought? You know, so, and I mean, I know politicians in the ancient world, they used to turn to, um, they used to turn to Hermes and Aphrodite as sort Mm -hmm. of this uh, power couple, for instance, because, you know, Mm -hmm. Hermes was the messenger and Aphrodite, well, you know, she was influence. You know, we think Mm -hmm. of Aphrodite oftentimes as, you know, love and beauty, but it's also that charisma, that influence, that, um, you know, being able to 
win people over to your side, you know, and that's all communication, you know. So I, I think, um, yeah, so for me I think it would be, uh, you know, communication is maybe one of the most important forms of power. Absolutely. And, well, and, well I, I, like, I, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, recently we've had a whole slew of um, rock, stars and actors and, and people die, right? For instance, like David Bowie or Leonard Cohen or Prince or, you know, uh, Carrie Fisher. And, you know, people die all the time, but why is it that those people get, you know, people crying about it all over Facebook? Well, it's because they had the power to truly influence and connect with people, to make people feel seen, to make them feel heard, to make them feel recognized to inspire them. You know, if we can yeah. cultivate our ability to inspire, you know, that that is incredibly powerful. So, for instance, someone like Bernie Sanders who, you know, maybe doesn't, you know, isn't like, you know, he's not Brad Pitt, right? And he doesn't necessarily have um, a ton of money. I don't know what his financial situation is, but nevertheless, he still has a lot of power in the, in his ability to inspire people. Um, yeah, but, and it's and it's a that, different and a different kind of power, you know, because then there's also sort of the influence peddling power, you right. know. I mean, yeah. really, if you, if you looked at if you looked at all of the different political candidates we experienced this last year, you know, look at Hillary, look at Trump, look at Bernie. They all had a very different type of power, didn't they? Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yes, and, really and, and if you and, and, and you look at them, you know, going back to what you said before, um, you know, some of that was repugnant power. You know, I mean, many of us find, find Trump's power repugnant. Many people, mm-hmm. I think, found Hillary's power um, uh, arrogant. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there were people, you know, who you maybe found, you know, Bernie much more the the everyday guy. You know, uh, right. who who was kind of just you know stating facts and being real, and mm-hmm. um, you know wasn't. In fact, he would say, "How many times this isn't about me? It's about you." You know, it was about solidarity. Mm-hmm. Was the point he was trying to get across? Well, exactly. So and I think you know, that, that gets to a really fundamental and essential point that we're getting at here, which is that you know one of the reasons why, probably why Bernie lost is because. If he points and says, this isn't about me, this is about you, you know, but we live in a culture that actively seeks to make us forget how powerful we are when we act in unity Mm -hmm. with one another. And so Mm -hmm. another person, for instance, like Donald Trump, who comes along and says, no, this is about me. I alone can fix this. I am the one person who can solve this problem. And then that cultivates, the strong you know, man, and then yeah. points, yeah, and then points at all the, the scary demons out there who are on the attack. And so people forget that they have power, that they have the power to change things. And they're like, yes, I need someone to come along who's going to save me and make America strong again. When we don't recognize that we already have strength and power within ourselves. And so, you know, Bernie's message, I think, did resonate with people who wanted to cultivate that experience of power with. Um, But ultimately, in this case, you know, the sort of feeling, in, in my opinion, that feeling of, of fear sort of won out or that desire for some strong authority to come in and save us, some sort of daddy figure to come in and save us. But we start recognizing, you know, we're all the daddy. Like we all have daddy's power. Like Mm -hmm. when we stop giving, 
when we stop giving that power away, then we're actually all going to be a lot safer because, you know, we can't always trust daddy to make the best decisions for everyone. It certainly well, hasn't and I been think, my experience. I, I, I think, too, Amanda, one of the things that, uh, you know, people have to really dig deep and look within, too, is some people don't want to have the power, you know. And, you know, sometimes it's, yeah, I mean, it's not popular for me to say this in some women's circles because, you know, we we kind of pretend that, you know, all women want to, you know, want equality. But I think, you know, uh, there are some women who are really content to be in the back seat, to be taken care of. You know, they're content to maybe um, not have an equal marriage uh, or be subservient if somebody is going to take care of them. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's that's part of the uh what we all have to do um and, and be honest with ourselves when we think about you know i guess going back to what you said before what does empowerment look like to you uh because somebody might even say look it takes more courage to be subservient and to stay small you know um i, I don't know do you follow my my thinking there you know oh, to yeah, to absolutely. keep your yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I think absolutely. That I mean, I as as a woman, as a witch, as a feminist, like I want women to have what they want and feel good about what's going on in their lives. You know, I don't want to push women into doing things that they don't want to do for themselves. You know, and if if they feel like satisfied, you know, being subservient to their husbands or their father or whatever, then that's, you know, if that's their business. And, and if they want to, if they feel like that's something they enjoy, then I'm not going to try and take that away from them or convince them that they should do otherwise. But I do know that for myself, I don't enjoy that. And I don't like living that way. And I also know that mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want patriarchy to come and try and force me to do what it wants me to do. I don't want to live that way. If they want to live that way, that's fine. But I don't want to, and I don't want legislation happening, you know, within the government or within systems of authority or systems of force that make me, force me to capitulate to their demands. And so I think for me, you know, my work, uh, you know, my mission in life it's for those people who do want to cultivate that power within themselves, you know, that I want to help and facilitate that. And that's really what my work is about, is helping, helping so, myself find that power and helping, helping generate that power. All right, power so let's, 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 un- let's unpack that a little bit, okay? Mm. Um, uh, okay, so I'm sure you are aware, as I am, the, the the fear-mongering going on out there, the hand-wringing going on out there. I mean, there's a lot of people organizing and getting themselves ready for the fight of their life, but there are a yeah. lot of people pooping in their pants, okay? Yeah. What, do, what, what do you say to the women and men out there scared mm. to death of a Trump mm. presidency, what can they do, Amanda, to empower themselves so they are not going to spend the next four years living in absolute terror? Yes, this is such a great topic and so important. I'm so glad that we're talking about it. You know, 
there's, there, I believe that there's two different levels in which we need to work here. First of all, we need to cultivate our sense of strength and balance, right? So if we're hysterical and we're, you know, we're crying and we can't get out of bed, then we, we can't really go out and commit ourselves to, to fighting with others. On the other hand, people who are in that place, you know, they're in that place for a reason, right? And, you know, if you're terrified and you're afraid, you know, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling that way. But it is a very uncomfortable feeling, right? And it's something that you probably don't want to linger in. So, you know, there are very simple practices that you can do that can start shifting that around. So for one, so for one thing that I do is I do like a grounding practice every day, which is a meditation practice where I actually visualize myself connecting to the earth through my root. I breathe into my pelvis. A lot of the time women don't, you know, not just women, all of us, you know, we're very cut off from our sexuality. We're very cut off from our sense of eroticism. You know, we don't breathe into our pelvis. We often don't connect to our pelvis as both women and men, you know. And so doing that, you know, is a very simple way to start feeling more empowered and feeling more energy. So if you just, just for five minutes a day, place your hands about three inches below your navel and breathe into that space and just start connecting it. If you do that for a month, you will start seeing major changes in your feeling of, of power, your ability to, you know, actualize change in your life. So, you know, just simple practices like that are really important. But then on top of that, it's also important to start thinking about, you know, the the, the changes that you want to find. So we want to do that on several different levels. So for, for instance, like what kind of life do you want to live and what kind of life do you want to be able to live? What kind of business do you want to be able to have? What kind of family do you want? Well, how do you want to spend your time? Because our time is really our most valuable possession, you know, and it, our life is short, you know, and fleeting. And we want to use that time in a way that, really supports us and sustains us and nourishes us and is pleasurable to us. I mean, I believe in the power of pleasure. So we want to have, we want to cultivate a world that, you know, that makes people want to fight for it. You know, that makes people want to spend their energy uh, creating that, that world because it seems so much better and more inviting than, you know, the alternative. And then you know, we want to band together and find our right community of other people who are also doing this work. Um, what's most important is, you know, is to remember to remember what we believe in and remember what our values are and remember remember that feeling of bliss, bliss and pleasure in, in togetherness and, and that it's worth the struggle and that it's, it's worth the fight. Because the truth is, of course, we don't know under the sort of very extreme circumstances in which we find ourselves incarnated here today, you know, under so many pressures of, you know, race and class and, in, you know, the destruction of the environment. We don't know that this, the forces of good and love and, you know, nature will win. You know, that's not a given. And, you know, things could go horribly wrong and it certainly seems that they're headed in that direction but for me I believe you know I want to fight on the side of the goddess I want to fight on the side of love I want to fight on the side of compassion and solidarity and beauty and creativity and I want that for myself 
and I want that for everyone. And even, you know, I don't know what side will sort of win in the end or if there will be winners and losers, you know, full stop. But I know what I want to dedicate myself to. And so it gives me strength and courage in in that conviction. And so, you know, even though we know that, you know, it's very possible and certainly seems likely that, you know, dark days are coming for us, we can cultivate that light within ourselves by knowing, you know, what we believe in and what we value and what we hold sacred and celebrating that and defending that um, within our own lives and in the lives of the people around us in the lives of our, of our communities. Well, and, and I think some other practical advice is, um, you know, tune out the fear mongers, you know, whether it's corporate media, whether it's your friends who can't do anything but hand ring, um, you know, try to surround yourself with people who are keeping better balanced, a better attitude, um, you know, purge the toxic people from your life. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, that maybe just sounds like common sense and maybe some people would say, well, it's easier said than done. But, um, you know, I, I think it's important to start, uh, you know, start working on that and, and channel any sort of um, angst and anxiety you have, um, I, you know, into action. Because I do think when we're doing something, uh, we feel a lot better than when we're just sitting home uh, worried or we're wringing our hands with another friend. I mean, that doesn't produce anything. You know, the worry, um, you know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't help. I mean, I know I've been in so many political marches, and I would encourage people to get out and actually do those because mm. man what what a charge you get um you know doing that you know feeling that adrenaline rush you know that you have you know in solidarity with all of these other people and you really start to understand you're not alone you know um exactly. you, you do have a tr- you do have a tribe out there and um and and you can be as involved you know and connected as you choose to be you know we don't have to sit home alone afraid or with other people who uh or congregating together afraid you know um you look for you know look for find your courage you know i call it find your sacred roar you know um but and mm-hmm. i mean you can start small you know start small there's nothing wrong with that but um i i mean i especially you know uh, people who are listening to this show you know they're magical practitioners if we really right. do believe what we put what we put out in the world is going to come back to us if we really do believe what we put out in the world creates the world so we don't want to perpetuate or uh, you know this these feelings of anxiety and fear you know uh we want to put put perpetuate these feelings of confidence and empowerment and solidarity and hope and love um and 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 hopefully then that comes back to us and and that's the reality bubble that we surround ourselves with it's so important what you're saying you know it really is about taking action and once again you know action is you know, taking action is Martian magic. You know, when we talk about fear, fear is about the future, right? Fear is about things that we don't want to happen, that we think that might be looming in the future. And so if we have a fear, if we can identify that fear and then take action, 
especially if we can take action in solidarity with others, um, to mitigate the thing that we're afraid of, we will feel less afraid. So, and that goes across the board from whether it's like larger political issues. Um, you know, so for instance, if we're uh, afraid of, you know, Planned Parenthood being defunded, then we can, you know, take action to try and prevent that from happening. And we'll feel more confident and less afraid. And it might take a lot of work, but we'll, we'll feel charged in that we're doing something. We'll, 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 we won't feel as despondent and depressed. Um, but that's also true, like, in your own life, you know, if you're afraid of uh, not being able, you know, if you're afraid that you're going to be stuck in your job for the rest of your life and you hate your job, you know, a lot of the time this, the amount of energy that we spend spinning our wheels about that and being afraid of that uh, could be channeled into actually taking action to sh- to shifting that around yeah. to making something else happen. Um, and if we were able to channel that energy, then uh, we would actually be able to change our life a lot of the time. And, you know, like yeah. you said, though, it is really important that you start small because otherwise, you know, if you're making big changes, they can seem really overwhelming. So, you know, if you set up small and achievable goals, it's going to be a lot more attainable for you. And those are things that you do magically, too. You know, like when you're doing, when you're working magic, you're not just going to say, you know, okay, I want to, you know, win an Oscar if you haven't even, you know, been in, you know, memorized the monologue. <laughs> you know, you have to, <laughs> you have to, you have to start small and maybe do a magical working to like find the great monologue and then actually do the work of memorizing the monologue. And then you go incrementally from there. But, you know, magic is a way of harnessing the power of our imagination, of, of reining in our fears and using the power of that fear to catalyze action to sort of pull our chariot. You know, fear is not something that we're going to be able to make disappear, but we can use and channel those feelings to, you know, to bring forth the things that we want in life. Yeah, let, let, it, let it be the motivator, you know. Um, and, and look, yeah. for people who... You know, for people who believe in prophecies, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they don't believe they're real. Um, who knows? Uh, I mean, uh, if this is any consolation for people out there who were worried, um, you know, I, th- there's so many people, uh, you know, so many wisdom speakers coming from so many different quarters, whether it be uh, Native American and, and all different sorts of uh, uh, arenas, genres, whatever you want to call it, they are saying what we are going through right now was predicted and it is necessary. And, you know, it almost makes sense to me. Um, it, it, sure, it would have been safer if Hillary had been elected. You know, we wouldn't have to worry about a lot of the things we're worried about. However, you know, I think if Hillary had been elected, everybody would have just went back to the status quo, sitting on their mm-hmm. couch, not not doing anything to, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, they wouldn't have been motivated to make any real change. And I, I don't know, I'm sort of thinking in a way, um, I know it's going to sound a little crazy, but what if mm-hmm. Donald Trump is a gift? What if he's a gift? You know, mm-hmm. he could be the the catalyst 
for the kind of change um, to maybe reverse, a, you know, the, the the bad situation we're in. I mean, we're, we, you know, we have had both the Democrats and the Republicans, um, you know, uh, you know, they they've sort of uh, sat here and 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 allowed this big income disparity, the biggest that we've had in the history of the country, uh, to happen. You know, they they've both sat back and let it happen. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, we've. I, I'm, I remember, uh, you know, when I first started working, believe it or not, um, as you know, just a lowly uh, typist. You know, I had benefits. You know, I had vacation. I had. I, I had. Um, medical insurance. I had profit sharing. I had, you know, you could earn 12% on your money in a savings account. You could go to college and, you know, a, a semester of college at a public college, you know, would be $50. We have had so much taken away from us so much taken away from us and I'm not even that old <laughs> you know right. we've had so much taken away from us that we we forgot we even had it you know we forgot yeah. things used to be better you know that uh you know some people don't even realize um you know how empl- em- employees are being exploited these days compared to how it maybe just was in the 70s or the 80s and um, I don't know. I, 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 I sometimes I think that in order to get back to a point where there's a lot more fairness, um, you know, we we really need to roll back a lot of the stuff that had just uh, you know become status quo stuff. You know, we we need to be using Scandinavian countries, I think, as our role models. Um, and uh, I, I just think we would have had more of the same, uh, you know, it, if we didn't have something to push us, to motivate us, um, to sort of, you know, really make the world a better place. And so I don't know, that's, you know, just just my thoughts on it. I, I kind of feel like this could, as, as bad as it might seem, uh, I, I think it could end up being a good thing. Well, yes. I mean, I I agree with you on 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 so many levels. Personally, I I don't think it's good that that Trump won. I think it would have been much better if Hillary would have won because even though yes, probably a lot of people would have been complacent. You know, we wouldn't be rolling back so many advancements that we'd made for so many people and we'd still be able to push forward. But I do think that we can treat this as a gift and use you know the 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 energy that this fear um, has generated and sort of awakened in us to push us forward to to launch mm-hmm. um, a, a new awakening. So you know, regardless of what would have been better or any of that or what you know what good things have have gone before, you know, we have an opportunity now to make the world mm-hmm. that we want. And and the truth is that we have that every moment in our lives. And, you know, we don't work on a level playing field. Not everybody has equal access um, to, uh, you know, wealth, for instance, or the same amount of opportunities. I certainly don't believe that. But, you know, we have what we have. And within that, we, we have a lot of power. We have more choices than we think that we do. And we can work to cultivate the power that we do have and to make the changes that we want to make. And it, it's just important for us to, to realize that and recognize that and charge and utilize 
and utilize the power that we have available to us and not just give it away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well well said. And I mean in in those very those that you know that very last uh, you know uh things that you said, I mean those are all ways to empower yourself, you know. Uh it it's really it you know so much of it is a shift in attitude, you know. Uh, you know yeah. to do everything you everything you possibly can to to change uh, you know, change your life. I mean, I, I, I have friends who, you know, some of them will just complain about everything. And I, oftentimes I don't see them doing a lot to make things any different. You know, it's almost as if they are... Uh, they've they've gotten complacent, you know. They've gotten familiar with uh, the way things are, you know. Maybe they're even familiar with complaining about it and saying it'll never get better without actually trying to make it better. If that makes sense, you know. It's sort of well, like they yeah, they get into they this feel rut. Disempowered, you know. They they don't they they feel like the only power that they have is sort of through complaining and muttering and um, ruminating mm-hmm. and they, they've forgotten where their true power is. You know, they've forgotten yeah. what is powerful about them. Most likely, yeah. Yeah, you know, they don't see themselves as powerful within the situation. Yeah, I mean, they'll use their energy to vent, but they won't right. really use their energy to take steps to make change. And I, I think, you know, we all, no matter what our circumstances are, we probably, because I agree with everything you said, there's not a level playing field out there. But I think all of us can take even small steps, you know, to make uh, our world a better place. I mean, I know this this sounds hokey, always- but, you know, you know, put, put some, you know, you have a miserable job, put flowers on your desk, you know, mm-hmm. that will at mm-hmm. least maybe lift your mood and make you feel a little bit better. Such a simplistic thing, you know, but that's mm-hmm. one tiny little, one tiny little step, you know, um, yeah. start well, looking for, start looking for a new job. It doesn't mean you have to quit your old job, but start looking, right. see what's out there, you know, take a class, maybe, you know, uh, learn another skill. I mean, there's so many things we could do, but we get hung up in um, kvetching and, 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 and not really looking for ways to, um, you know, make things better. And, we, you know, we just have to be aware of that because, you know, we all fall into bad habits sometimes. Yeah, and and it's really important, like you said, to take that sort of energy of kvetching, that energy of, you know, anger, um, which is sort of anger is, you know, aggression sort of unexpressed physically. So, we, but we want, mm. we need to express it physically. We need to put it into action and we need to do that in healthy ways. So, you know, so really getting into the body is a really important way of finding power. And, you know, even for people who are ill or, you know, have chronic or suffer from chronic diseases or, you know, are bedridden, there's still ways to just start connecting with your body a little bit more. Even like, for instance, with that breathing exercise that I was talking about earlier about sort of connecting to your root and like you said, you know, with the, you know, putting flowers on your desk, you know, these small acts of defiance against the status quo are really important because they build 
into larger things. So, you know, doing those things are, are really, are really important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd just, uh, you know, if it helps lift your mood, you know, maybe it helps you get through another day. It, it, you know, gives you a brighter outlook, uh, and that in turn, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, you know, this, you know, these things sort of, um, you know, it's exponential. You know, every little thing you do builds on the last little thing you did, you know. Well, yeah, exactly, um, well, and, and that's why the the magic is important because it can help you stay on track and help you stay focused, you know, by, by like, for instance, like building an altar, you know, is a way of of focusing your energy and harnessing that energy of discontent and using it to shift things around in the world. I think most people who have an altar and who actively use it um, find that their lives really do change. I know for me, you know, I was stuck in a job that I hated and I couldn't find a way out of it. And, you know, through my magical practice as it became deeper and deeper, I did find a way out of it until now, you know, I support myself as the Oracle of Los Angeles, which has got to be basically the best job in the universe. (laughs) Uh, You know what? I I, I have to tell you, when I saw you and I met you, I thought, this girl knows some tricks. (laughs) Because I I, got to tell you, most of the people I know doing this, myself included, you know, we have to have a day job in order to be able to do Think you know our passion. You know it's 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 rare to find, uh, you know the priestess or the witch who is able to uh, support themselves fully. You know doing, um, you know this this sort of thing. So kudos to you. Um, well, well, well you. Amanda, we. Well, yeah, you deserve it. You deserve it. Well, um, we're we're about out of time here. I want to give you a minute, uh, you know, or a couple minutes here to, um, uh, you know, kind of wrap up. Um, what would you like to share with listeners? Would you like to uh, tell them about your radio show or or your services or, um, you know, how would you, you know, what would you like us to know? Well, so yeah, it's. You know, if somebody out there is listening and, and resonated with what we were talking about today, then they should go to my website, which is oracleoflosangeles.com, and sign up for my mailing list. I am soon going to be putting out um, a meditation that you can do every day uh, to cultivate that power that we're talking about, you know, a really simple one, and you can do it every day. And the people that I know who have done it, including myself, have seen magnificent results. It's really uh, magical, in fact, the way that it generates in, uh, transformation in your life. So I, I very much recommend that. That's going to be coming out soon. It's not quite up there yet, but if you sign up for my mailing list, then you'll you'll be able you'll have access to it soon. And then um, within the next couple of months, I'm going to be launching a class called Power Magic, which will be getting into more sort of brass tacks, everyday stuff that you can do using magical techniques and practices to shift not only your life around so that you get your life to be the way that you want it, but I know that the people who are listening to this, you know, their dreams, their goals, their ambitions are beautiful, and they're beautiful not just for themselves, but they're beautiful for the world. That, you know, the people who are listening to this are the kind of people who, you know, I want to see doing what they want to do in the world because they're going to be creating a more beautiful world, and we're going to do that together. So if you're interested in you know, bringing more power into the, your dreams and goals and ambitions, 
uh, and then bringing that out to the world. I am going to be launching this online class, which you'll be able to take at your convenience uh, pretty soon, uh, in the next couple of months. So if you go and sign up for my mailing list, you'll be able to keep abreast of all that. And, yeah, I, I also offer work, uh, monthly workshops. Um, I'm having one, for instance, on Thursday night, uh, an intention-setting ceremony for the new year using tarot. Um, I do shamanic healing workshops once a month as well. And I'm always available for private appointment, and that's where you can come in and, and get real support over, you know, even if it's a one-off session or if you work t- with me, I offer pa- package deals over uh you know, up to six months that you can do if you really want to transform your life in a major way. Uh, I know for so myself life, that life, life coaching, life coaching by the uh, with the Oracle of Los style. Angeles. <laughs> yeah, life coaching <laughs> with style. Yeah, getting some serious magic in your life. <laughs> Well, well, that's well, that's really cool, and uh, I would really like to stay connected with you. You're the type of person here in the city, uh, you know. I want to keep tabs on and uh, know know what you're up to, and uh, who knows, maybe our paths will cross. I want to. Uh, thank my, you. I, the I, well, thank you, thank you, and and I and I want to invite you to, if you haven't done it already, uh, you must make a trip sometime down to the Goddess Temple of Orange County. Um, I don't okay. know if you've been down there yet, I but uh, you know it's. Be- it's been there ten years. It's an actual brick and mortar Goddess Temple, and uh, I've heard I, about I think it. you would. You, yeah, and you know, speaking of empowerment, uh, and you know, we you know mentioned a lot of the goddesses of empowerment. Uh, they have in their their main sanctuary a larger than life size seated statue of the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet, who's you know nice. wonderful, uh, yeah, wonderful, uh, you know, for uh, you know power. personal and. <laughs> Yeah, personal and cultural transformation. So anyway, maybe we That's can, so you know, make a date and I'll meet you down there or something. So I'd love that. Um, well, well, Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, you've you've shared a lot of wisdom and knowledge with uh, listeners tonight, and uh, I've enjoyed our chat. and And I think it's so relevant right now with um, mm. you know uh, so much so much angst out there. You know, we really have to help people, you know, transform that into something positive, you know, for themselves uh, and for all of us. So, thank you so much uh, for being on the show, and uh, I'm so glad uh, to know you're out there doing what you're doing. Thank you. I feel the same way, and um, I'm really excited for, you know, to hear more of your shows and everything, uh, Karen, and also I'm really excited to hear about what everybody who's been listening is up to, because, you know, we we are the people we've been waiting for, so... I believe that. I absolutely agree. (laughs) We are on the same page, sister. All right. Well, listen, you have a great New Year's, and um, I will uh, be chatting with you soon. And, uh, uh, you know, look forward to our paths crossing. Yes, me too. Thanks a lot for, for having me on. Okay. All right. Good night. All right. Good night. Well, that was fun. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, again, that was Amanda Yates uh, Garcia, uh, the Oracle of Los Angeles. Uh, her website is oracleoflosangeles.com. You definitely want to go there and uh, check out everything she's got going because it's uh, exciting stuff.
So uh, now I just have a word here from Joe Carson. Uh, give a listen, please. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree is. And I came out of this. This is my mother's planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, you've been listening to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see them yourselves but haven't, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and booklet for only $20, and that is at DancingWithGaia.com, DancingWithGaia.com. And before I let you go, uh, I have to give one more plug uh, for my own new book that just came out this month. Um, You can get uh, a signed copy from me uh, by going to my website, KarenTate.com. Once you get to KarenTate.com, go to the Goddess Store page. And uh, I have some great bundles uh, priced there. Prices have been slashed on all of my books for the holidays, uh, shipping and hand Handling is free if you're in the United States. Uh, I would encourage you to go there and check it out. I am actually selling my new books cheaper than Amazon. This is the first time in my life that's been possible. I'm not sure what they're doing over there at Amazon, but the prices have gotten a bit higher. So anyway... Uh, You can get a a copy of Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward, uh, from me for only $16, which is uh, a pretty good deal. And um, some of the... uh some of the contributors include uh, Ann Baring, Rianne Eisler, Starhawk, uh, Carol Christ, uh, most definitely uh, folks, uh, you know, some whose names you will recognize, like these four mothers I've just mentioned, and uh, a lot of new folks, too, who are offering uh, incredible wisdom uh, to let us vision what the new normal will look like, because uh, as I believe we said earlier in our show. Uh, It's very hard to make change uh, when you don't have a vision or you don't have a role model for what that change might look like. I can remember for the longest time some of the groups I would work with uh, would talk about you know, getting rid of the patriarchy, but until we have an idea of what we want to replace it with, um, you know, maybe it's not the best thing to do, uh, you know, to, you know, get rid of something until you have something to replace it with. So anyway, uh, these are great ideas using goddess values, um, 
uh, goddess ideals uh, as a benchmark and template uh, to actually uh, reshape uh, a new world, to create a new normal, to hit the reset button and create the world we all would like to live in and know we certainly deserve. So, again, uh, KarenTate.com. And uh, before I say goodnight, I want to remind you to click the follow button on my show page there on Blog Talk so you get notice uh, of uh, the broadcasts that are happening every week, um, especially if you're not on my email list and uh, maybe you forget to follow me on Facebook. Uh, This way you will... Uh, know what's going to actually happen, um, you know, every week. And I'll be getting back on track with now that the holidays are almost uh, behind us. I'll be back with you uh, every Wednesday night. And just a little bit uh, of inspiration uh, for your life. Uh, Remember what you nourish, uh, what you feed, um, you know, those are the things that will grow and prosper and what you neglect, it withers. Uh, so think about that. Um, make sure the things you value in your life, um, make sure those are the things you are paying attention to. Those are the things you are putting uh, your energy into. All right. Well, that will about uh, do it for me tonight. Um, I'll just close with the show's mottos. Um, I think they're important because I think we're we're actually living this right now. Remember, it was Gandhi who said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Or the 19th century German philosopher, author Schoenhauer said, all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Second, it's violently opposed. And third, it is accepted for being self-evident. Well, good night, dear listeners. Thank you for your valuable time again tonight. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being the gas in my tank. Thank you, thank you, thank you, especially those of you who take the time to communicate with me and uh, send me show ideas and guest ideas and, uh, and all the rest. It really is meaningful. Uh, I feel like we have a little family and tribe here uh, across the globe. I'm going to be uh, having some new music uh, on the show uh, coming up uh, this year that uh, I think you'll enjoy. Uh, Some of it is from uh, the Reclaiming uh, Fireside Chants, uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, And I think I'm going to just close tonight's show with uh, one of my favorites called Weave and Spin. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, From the bottom of my heart, I have a wonderful New Year's weekend, and I'll be back with you next Wednesday.
Bye.